Hey, Pittsburgh. There are some incredibly creative people around our city, and we're here to meet them, learn what they do, and how they create. I'm Alan Fear, and this is the Pittsburgh Creators Podcast. We have a very special guest, saxophonist, band leader, composer. We have Mr. Stephen Harvey. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you on. So for our guests who might not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're up to these days? So my name is Stephen Philip Harvey. Um, I am, as you said, a composer, a band leader, and a saxophonist, uh, kind of in that order usually. Um, during the day, I, I daylight as a choir teacher uh, for a local high school. I live in Salisbury, Maryland now, uh, but I'm originally from Rochester, Pennsylvania. Uh, and during the evenings and uh, summers and weekends, I uh, try my best to compose, arrange, uh, put ensembles together, and play music. Uh, I have a big band that I lead. Uh, a 17-piece jazz orchestra called the Stephen Philip Harvey Jazz Orchestra. Uh, I have a octet that I call SPH-8 or the Stephen Philip Harvey Octet. Um, just actually premiered a new electronic quintet. Uh, yeah, so I'm just trying my best to uh, compose and write for as many uh, different like jazz ensemble configurations as I can at the time. Wow, sounds like you're you're up to a lot of stuff right now. Yeah, it's a little daunt. I, I I don't know. I made some goals in uh, 2021, and then kind of tried to hit the hit the ground running in 2022. Absolutely. So, um, with kind of wearing so many hats, like, uh, where where did you kind of get your start? Like, um, what kind of sparked your passion? Um, I mean, there it's it's interesting because you know the musician or performer or the player side of things might be a little bit different than the composer side of things, different than like the band leader side of things. Um, so what, what really started your, you know, or sparked that passion that you had um, like early on? For music in general, it was, it's really like a weird amalgamation of different experiences. Like first and foremost, I was like raised in the Baptist church and uh, in the black Baptist church. And it's extremely musical. Uh, I know, uh, my wife, uh, who, who's who's white, was always like, "Man, your family's just so musical." I think it's a cultural thing and a religious thing together. Like the Black Baptist Church has always been really big into the spiritual tradition, into uh, different choral traditions, and I was raised in that tradition. I've been singing in choirs since I was like, I don't know, four or five. Uh, I remember when I was doing my ed degree, they were like, "You can't make children sing in harmony," and I was like. Yeah, you can. What are you talking about? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it since I was like four or five. Um, so there was there was that. Um, my family also, like, because of that, all sang all the time. My mom was really into funk music. Um, so while I was growing up, I was always listening to that, not knowing what I was listening to. It was just like, she's a brick, do 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 don't know what this means. Uh <laughs> uh, and then musical, not musical theater isn't musical theater, but like musical theater movies or movies that are movie musicals um, were a really big catalyst for me. Basically, if I like could meet Alan Menken and shake his hand, I would uh, die. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, 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 I love that, man. 
Um, so all those were like my early experiences. And a lot of people are like really surprised to, to not hear jazz listed in that. Cause I didn't listen to jazz until I was probably like 19 or 20. Um, so I'd always grew up, grown up listening to, um, funk music, gospel music, um, like hymn style stuff. And then when I got into middle school, my friends, uh, introduced me to the game Guitar Hero. <laughs> Uh, so that got me into like rock music and then the local uh, like place to have shows in my town was called the Blue Violet Cafe. So there were a lot of like uh, screamo shows and pop punk shows that came through. Um, so like I had this weird amalgamation with music. Uh, during that time, I was already playing the clarinet and singing in choir at school. Um, and I would like make up stuff all the time because I thought that was fun. No one said I was improvising. I was just making up stuff, right? Um, I would figure out songs that I could play. And then eventually, like all that, all those different experiences lead me to college where uh, I'm sitting in the marching band field and I'm like figuring out different songs from Disney musicals or for fun in front of people. Uh, and my band director at the time, Ted DeSanti uh, for Seton Hill's marching band is like, he yelled, uh, Buddy DeFranco, Ken Poplowski at me. And I was like, I don't, what are you saying? And he kept doing it. Those two names. Uh -huh. I don't know what this is. So I looked them up and they're, they're jazz clarinetists. So I started listening to those two and I was like, Oh, this is really, really cool. Like, do you have any like other people I should listen to? Uh, and they like recommended people to listen to. And then it kind of went from there. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of, of one of your most recent works, um, um, and maybe you can talk a, a, a little bit about it. It sounds like uh, you uh, were kind of inspired by some superheroes. Yeah, so outside of me, anyone who knows me outside of my musical identity knows that all I do and all I ingest is like superhero medium. So unfortunately, like a lot of people are like, so you must collect comic books. And the answer is no. So for anyone who's listening to this is like, I bet he's not a true fan, the gatekeepers of superheroes. Yeah, I, get, I guess to your definition, I'm not because I, I didn't collect comic books. But um, growing up, there was always like... Uh, those those like fox kids uh network shows like spider like 90s spider-man wolverine x-men yeah oh my gosh the 90s x-men with the best theme songs absolutely um static shock on wb kids and all that like just like set my interest like right away i never got out of the the saturday morning cartoons thing i started thinking about sweets to write for my graduate thesis, I was like, I'd always wanted to write a suite of music based off of not necessarily superhero characters, but characters that exist around superheroes at once. So um, that was a, a work called Smash. Uh, and we uh, fortunately got to record it this past year in 2021. Uh, and that's going to be coming out on a record uh, this year in 2022. That's that's awesome. So, um, so it, it's interesting. So your process for that as you kind of played with the idea of the tropes and the, the specific characters and whatnot, and then you actually wrote musical ideas to those tropes, or was it a little bit of interplay with both? Like you had some ideas like... I rarely, rarely have an idea that is not associated with something. Right. So like say I have an idea that I sang into my iPhone uh, because I didn't want to forget it because if I didn't sing it into my voice memos, then I'll wake up the next morning and be like, what was I singing yesterday? So say I sing this thing into my voice memos. Um, the next day I'll be like, oh, okay, that's cool. That kind of fits this vibe. How can I morph it a little bit? Um, and then go from there. My compositional process is still like 
vocal, heavily vocal. Like I don't pick up my saxophone until right. um, until I have to play through the parts, like the saxophone parts, to make sure that they're like they make sense and I'm not putting any weird stuff in it. Let's take a quick break to talk about this podcast and how you can support our endeavors to showcase Pittsburgh's creators. The Pittsburgh Creators Podcast is supported by the Pittsburgh Creators Project. You can learn more at www.pittsburghcreators.org. Reach out through our website for more information about how you can sponsor an episode and keep hearing from creatives in Pittsburgh. If you know a creator we should speak to, let us know. Back to the interview. Of the ideas that that you're that you're playing with, you're toying with your recording voice memos, you know, you're improvising on, you're just singing. How how much of that actually comes to fruition in, in the form of a piece of music that someone's gonna actually hear? Usually for me, probably like 80% of the time. So for a lot of people, they're they're heavily critical yeah. and of, of themselves. I am too, but uh, I tend to force myself to work on deadlines mm-hmm. so that I can't have the luxury of be I've, I've read people uh, I've read things where people say this I've heard people say this out loud and, and it just makes sense to me um when if I spend the entire time like making 20 memos and then second guessing myself about those 20 memos I've now wasted hours and hours right. uh trying to get the best possible thing mm-hmm. if, if the pe- the piece is going to be what the piece is and then I just write another piece if I didn't like a portion of that I just keep going um so like I would say probably like 80% of the things, uh, a lot of the things make it uh, to, to something, uh, to one of something. Maybe, maybe it's not a whole piece. Maybe that one thing becomes like a portion of something else, but um, a lot of it becomes something. A, a lot of times I, th- I think as creators or as an audience, you know, consuming art in some way, we don't necessarily think about the that business side of things. Um, it sounds like you've recently come into a couple, or at least a grant, um, to to help uh, maybe put some of this together. Can you talk a little bit about that? Grant writing has been something that I've learned is not just a skill, but kind of a, a necessity um, if you want to make the thing happen. And if you're passionate about making the thing happen, there's lots of funds out there. There's databases on how to find those funds, especially like for your um, local or your professional um, memberships, they usually have information on what grants are available to you. Um, and then non-grant, but crowdfunding also became really important to me in the past year. Um, Smash wouldn't have happened without, I think it was 284 people who donated to a um, Kickstarter campaign that I did from May to June of last year for the album. Um, so yeah, we, um, we raised like $19,000 for it. The my local arts council, the Salisbury Wycombe Arts Council, also gave me a grant at the beginning of 2021. Uh, it was like a, p- a pandemic relief grant for people, artists who had like tons of gigs canceled or performances canceled. So yeah, that kind of ca- kicked off the catalyst for all of this. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have thought maybe I can do this album because I was like, ah, nah, money. Um, you've recently come into some some critical acclaim um, with the. Uh... Jazz Educators uh, Network uh, Young Composers Showcase, right? Yeah, so that was a, a cool thing that uh, happened in this past uh, couple months. Uh, back in November, I was selected for the Jazz Education Network, which is the International Jazz Education Network um, uh, that is based in the U.S. Um, 
their uh, Young Composer Showcase. So it's a composer showcase that's for student age all the way up to 30s. But uh, I got selected for the Young Composer Showcase for a piece that I submitted. That's one of the last pieces that I wrote for um, the album uh, Smash that is that uh, we recorded. Um, I wrote those pieces. I feel like it's one of the longest times that I had to write music because I, I was it wasn't my primary thing. Well, not, it wasn't my primary thing, but like, I didn't think I'm going to be recording an album soon. So I think I had two years to do that. And um, when I wrote um, this piece, Projectile Dysfunction, and uh, they selected it as a part of their showcase, uh, we got to go out to Dallas in January and rehearse with the Two O'Clock Lab Band from oh, New York, Texas, awesome. which was really cool. Yeah, I was like, this I'm is- I'm sure that's a great experience, yeah. Yeah, it was dope. Uh, they, they played so well. Uh, all the people in the uh, Young Composer Showcase wanted to make sure that we made their set that was like their music those uh those guys are phenomenal musicians and i just want to be like man why sometimes when i see phenomenal musicians i'm so inspired and then i'm also like self-deprecating because i'm like you should have you should have let down guitar hero and picked up that clarinet steven like (laughs) i usually don't get selected for things uh and that's not like there's just so many people and there's one spot and it's okay to not be selected for things that's something i had to learn but it was, it was really nice to be like, oh, I did a thing. I'm like, not validation, but validation. So we've talked about the past and your in your uh, in your process and and doing all these things. What what's the future hold for you? Well, um, my one of my goals uh, that I wrote in uh, the beginning of this year was to write and play for more than just big band. Uh, this year, uh, by the time they're listening to this, it might be over. But uh, fortunately. I got to schedule an octet tour for the spring of 2022. Uh, so we're going to be doing a four-site tour in Pittsburgh, Youngstown, Ohio, and then on the eastern shore of Maryland where I live. So like a small kind of regional tour, but the regions are too, uh, a little far apart. Um, in June of 2022, June uh, 17th, uh, we'll be releasing my big band album, Smash, uh, which is that uh, collection of music that's inspired by comic book superheroes, characters, tropes, and archetypes. And then the the new ensemble that I just started is called Sphinx. Technically, it stands for the Stephen Philip Harvey Intergenre Experience. Uh, We play in Pittsburgh in um, April of uh, this year. But um, yeah, just like starting to write and play for those three ensembles and then see where we go from there. If eventually I can bring that mixed ensemble instrumentation back, that's cool. Um, but yeah, writing and playing as much as possible is what's on the board. Absolutely. Fantastic. So for our listeners, how can we uh, keep track of uh, all the happenings in, uh, Stephen Harvey? If you look up, uh, Stephen P Harvey, usually you'll find me, uh, Stephen spelled with a PH. So it looks like Stephen Harvey, S T or at S T E P H E N P H A R V E Y. So that's on Twitter, Instagram, if you start typing that into Facebook, you'll get Stephen P. Harvey music. Uh, and then my website is www.stephenpharvey.com. Well, I just want to say it was absolutely fantastic talking to you. So much going on in your life and so much has gone on in a really kind of short amount of time, even though it probably feels like a long time. But uh, <laughs> it does feel, it feels like I know we're all looking forward uh, to uh, great things in the future. And, and it's really great just to... Uh, 
you know, to talk to you about, you know, the creative things that you do and how you approach creativity. And, and that's really our goal here at the podcast is to spread that and uh, hopefully inspire some people and get the word out about uh, creators. And I uh, want to thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you guys having me. It's really cool to have like an organic conversation and be like, oh, this is now a thing. The Pittsburgh Creators Podcast is supported by the Pittsburgh Creators Project. You can learn more at www.pittsburghcreators.org. If you know a creator we should speak to, let us know by reaching out to us through our website. The podcast is produced and theme composed by Robert Tra. Special thanks to Greta Zewi and Jesse Noss of Red Cayman Studios here in Pittsburgh for their post-production work. I'm Alan Fear. We'll see you next time.